CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Hello, and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about this show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag CIO. Today's topic is go from CIO to CEO. Our guests for today's show are David Thompson, who's the Executive Vice President, Global Operations, and uh, CIO. How are you, David? Uh, good today, Sanjok. Thanks for having me. Great. Great to have you. And we have uh, Sean Banerjee, who's with CIO Practice, Russell Reynolds. How are you, Sean? Doing great, Sanjok. Thanks for having me on the show. Great. Now, we all know that CIOs have been working across all business units. They understand uh, how the processes work and how the information flows. They understand the plumbing and the data that flows through it. They also have seat at the table in many cases, so they are invited to uh, define the strategy and also participate in innovation. So it looks like quite a few things that a CEO is expected to do does that mean that CIO can go ahead and readily fill the shoes of a CEO? So let's explore. And to that, David, first question for you. In terms of the actual uh, responsibilities and the way a CIO is measured, they're supposed to be making the organization predictable and efficient through the use of technology. And yes, lately they have been asked to do some innovation. Whereas CEO is basically supposed to make sure it moves the organization forward, stakes calculated risks, and and shows the growth. Two poles. How do you think the CIO who may be on the other side of the fence would ever get an experience and, and make the case of converting into a CEO? Well, if you're interested in a role as a CEO, you clearly have to seek out opportunities to grow your experience. The core responsibility of a uh, traditional CIO uh, would most likely not include sales or marketing or operations. And I think if you do have a career aspiration to become a CEO, you have to have experience with uh, end-to-end processes, operations, highly efficient management, uh, organizational management, but also um, sales and marketing experience is really key to be a successful CEO in today's marketplace and bringing those things together uh, and leading a very cross-functional team. So I think the challenge for CIOs today is, is seeking out additional responsibility and showing your capability in those other areas. I've had the opportunity in my career to um, run services organi- organizations and support organizations for customer-facing um, uh, departments in, in previous uh, technology companies in, additional, uh, in addition to my CIO role. And even, even here at Western Union, I have the opportunity to be responsible for end-to-end operations and also a partnership business uh, P&L. So that experience is starting to add to my portfolio of experience in driving sales, marketing, a P&L, uh, customer-facing um, capabilities, but also all the things that a CIO typically does and bringing that to bear. So I think it's kind of a new day. Um, CEOs are also learning much uh, of the things that I do as a CIO and becoming more tech savvy, 
more innovative and um, learning how to do more with less in many cases. Sean, do you think the CIO's role itself is getting a little boring for them to start looking out and saying, I want to grow beyond this role? Uh, you know, if it, if it, first of all, uh, Sanjay, I, I would agree with much of what David cited in terms of the toolkit and the portfolio. Uh, to answer your question, uh, I, and I've been, you know, in the search and assessment business for going on 20 years, almost, you know, always exclusively focused on the technology and operations enterprise services function. Uh, so we have had the good fortune of seeing many different types of CIOs, many, you know, a variety of business and operating models. And I can tell you unequivocally that right now is arguably the most exciting time to be a CIO or an equivalent uh, a role. Uh, and much of that is, uh, uh, is building upon what David shared. So, you know, for many years, I think the best-in-class uh, definition of a CIO was a fantastic operational leader, someone who had equal parts technical aptitude, process orientation, uh, commercial skill, uh, with good leadership uh, uh, skills as, as well as uh, excellent partnering and, and relationship skills. Um, and that individual's job was essentially to be the general manager of the functional utility and ensure that it's robust and it's scalable and it's secure and it supports all the various complexities and facets of the contemporary enterprise. Um, that has changed dramatically in just the last 24 months where the expectation is you must do all of those aforementioned things. Those are, you know, now the table stakes. But in many organizations, the expectation around technology's contribution and or technology's pervasiveness across all facets of that business, both internally and with the external customer, has come to such a point that the CIO is now expected to contribute to commercial value. And people like to bandy around terms like innovation, uh, but the, and, and, and it's not to downplay, but the reality is it always comes back to what is the role in driving the business outcome? Are you creating commercial value, be it through innovation or other areas? And some leaders, such as David, have been given additional responsibilities outside the kind of legacy portfolio. So if you're responsible for e-commerce or channel partnerships or elements of, of digital transformation, pieces that really do drive revenue, profit, and touch the external customer, I think accretively the CIO is adding to their portfolio and could potentially be considered for a broader P&L role, be it CEO or otherwise. The challenge is, and I'd be curious to hear David's view, is most CIOs, traditional CIOs, have not been trained in those various skills. And they have more of a Uber program management profile, which is incredibly important and valuable, but does not necessarily connote the broader leadership and commercial orientation to become a CEO. David? Yes, yeah, so no, I, I would agree with that comment. I think um, the role of a traditional CIO, we're seeing fewer and fewer of those in the marketplace. We're seeing more. Uh, business leaders that are taking on the responsibility of CIO uh, functions and, and growing. So uh, CIOs have become more business-focused, business-savvy, 
business enablers, and we're finding um, many of the CIOs able to take on additional responsibilities in other areas. But then we also still have the traditional CIOs who don't have those additional experiences. And I think that will be somewhat of a limiting factor for those CIOs. It's uh, if you don't have that experience uh, in managing a sales organization uh, to drive revenue or a services organization to deliver, to deliver services, it will be challenging to be credible, a credible candidate uh, for a CEO role. So you truly have to seek out those opportunities in your career, and you have to manage your career if that's your trajectory. You want to be a CEO. You have to find those experiences. You have to build those into your career. It's not going to just be handed to you. And so um, I'm finding, it, and it's exciting to be uh, driving that kind of business benefit in a company, and you have to seek those out. Would you say there is a blueprint? Uh, if you were to draw out a blueprint, David, for what a CEO's competencies look like, and if you were to overlay the CIO's current state, basically by the very nature of the job they do, where are the reds and yellows? Oh, interesting. Well, clearly, you know, for a CEO to be successful, they have to have market experience, the ability to drive a cross-functional organization and, and to deliver the metrics that shareholders and investors expect. Um, a, a great coordinator, an, an innovator, um, uh, a leader who can inspire the team to drive results, but also holding people accountable. And that, that takes sales experience, it takes market experience, it takes operational skill, uh, it also takes the ability to be a very, very strong HR leader, uh, a leader who can manage people effectively. Uh, if you look at a CIO, uh, we typically have a lot of skill in managing large programs, uh, delivering on our results, managing people and holding them accountable, cross-functional projects, um, and in the end, making sure that um, technology and, and IT is viewed as a strategic asset. And we've seen that shift happen. So CIOs have gotten better at selling the value of technology to their organization and to their customers internally. So we are building that skills. I think the piece that is missing in most uh, CIOs is the ability to market or marketing skills um, and uh, get the message out about innovation, about the, the transformations that you're doing in your organization. So I think there's a pretty big gap uh, in most CIOs' experience on marketing and, to be honest, the sales component. All the other components, I think, financial management, people management, program management, accountability are there. But uh, there's a pretty big gap there in sales and marketing, from my experience. Sean, if you look at the gaps that uh, David just mentioned, is it nature or nurture? Because by design, it looks like CIOs are invited and are selected based on the DNA of predictability versus the foresight and and, and trying to do the sales and marketing and having the gift of the gab and, and things of that nature? Uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting, Sean Jug, and, and the reality is I think some of the things that we're experiencing at the moment are, in fact, generational. Um, so I, I won't speak for David, but, you know, for someone who's achieved what he has so far in, in terms of his professional stature and, you know, li likely will, will, will achieve even more, um, you know, it, it, the question I would say is, did David or his one of his peers in the current kind of CIO cadre wake up when they were, you know, in the very nascent stages of their career and say, you know, my ultimate career ambition is to be a CIO? And I would postulate that probably not. Um, 
in no small means because the CIO role virtually did not exist, you know, 20, 25 years ago. Uh, it's still a relatively new role in the corporate hierarchy. And when you look at, you know, organizational constructs and as they've developed, uh, it's probably in the last decade, 15 years, that the, the prominence of the position has achieved the stature that it has. It's still a role that the definition can vary dramatically from organization to organization and industry to industry. And to that end, I would imagine that there are people today who are coming out of school and have uh, very aggressive professional ambitions to be CIOs. And those individuals are being nurtured in a way that their predecessors and many people in the current generation never were. When you look at the academic programs that have been created, the, the masters in technology at Columbia University or equivalent programs in uh, MIT and Penn and Stanford and Carnegie Mellon, um, when the academic uh, um, uh, community has uh, kind of been turned on to the fact that, hey, this is a legitimate career trajectory and we can build programs that people are willing to pay money for and invest their time in order to be developed, that's a big deal. Um, HR organizations are awakening to this nurture as well. Um, so we're seeing it formalized, and, and this is a window that is really probably three to five years old tops. Uh, before that, much of it was based on, you know, were you, did you have the good fortune to grow up in an organization that valued IT, and or did you have a mentor or mentors who saw something in you, that DNA, and felt that you had a proclivity for the function and uh, developed and brought you up accordingly. Um, but this is something that uh, continues to be a real inflection point in many organizations as to their ability to actually develop the skill sets of the contemporary CIO. And what compounds the challenge is that the skill set is fluid. Uh, it is changing, you know, monthly, if not yearly, and it varies based on institution and industry. So I think it's a combination of both. I think we're seeing a formalization that did not exist before, uh, and to that end, we're going to continue to see uh, more and more people attracted to the function. I mean, quite honestly, the, the degree of competition for top CIO roles at, at this point in time is absolutely unprecedented. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And David, when we come back, I'd like to pose the scenario of an entrepreneur versus an employee, where an employee gets a specific uh, stash to spend and be able to make the most of it, which could be con you know, uh, related to a P&L responsibility, whereas an entrepreneur has got the whole bag of money but they are also supposed to be able to grow the business, pay the bills, and do everything else in between. And here, entrepreneur being the CEO and employee being the CIO. Most, the best employees almost always almost don't become the best entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Let's explore this in context of a CIO versus CEO when we come back. Listeners, please stay tuned. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. 
visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sun Jog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Jog All. Welcome back. So, David, a comparison between employee and an entrepreneur where employee could be a CIO who may have uh, very good and, and, and top-level responsibilities, but they know the check will keep coming. And a CEO is supposed to be taking care of the whole um, revenue invested so that they get the most out of it and also grow. This is quite a leap. It's a big leap. When you think of a CEO, they are taking huge risks. I mean, their their job is at stake every day. Uh, if shareholders are unhappy, regulators are unhappy, and so on. So they're constantly evaluating their portfolio, the market opportunity, um, placing very specific bets on things that they see based on their intuition, their experience, and market information that is going to be the best bet. And that is what, to be honest, uh, shareholders and boards are very interested in the CEO's ability to place those bets effectively, uh, take some risk to, to get a great return. As a CIO, most traditional CIOs don't get, get, get that same um, experience in, in making those types of risks. Uh, but I will tell you that is starting to change where you have to make very strategic decisions on where you're going to place your bets from a technology perspective to stay ahead of the strategy, uh, to meet the business needs. And there's a lot more of that um, entrepreneurial spirit coming into the technology world because the business is truly looking to CIOs to help drive revenue, help drive profit margins, and being much more engaged in the, the day-to-day um, execution of the business, but also in the strategy uh, component. And so I think that um, uh, CIOs who have that uh, entrepreneurial spirit, um, the willingness to take on some risks, um, and in, in, in understand that there's consequences uh, associated with that, that risk and those decisions, they'll have more of the opportunity. And the risk is big. I mean, I see the pressure that my CEO is under and the CEOs that I've worked for in the past, and that is exciting to a certain extent, but also makes you wake up and realize, wow, you can make a, a bet here and it can end your career pretty quickly. And there, there is a lot of risk in, in being a CEO. And to your point, as an employee, a lot less risk. Your, your, your paycheck still is coming. That You have to have a desire for that risk and that risk-reward profile uh, in order to be a successful CEO. And I think you have to check yourself as a CIO to say, hey, do I have that capability? Do I have that in my nature? Because it is, uh, it is very risky uh, to become a CEO. Sean, wear the hat of an analyst. You speak to hundreds of CIOs. Do you see that entrepreneurial streak? 
Um, by and large, we still feel that kind of you break the world into two types of, of, of CIOs, operating leaders and transformational leaders. And the uh, skew is, is probably still, you know, 70, 75% operating, 25, 30% transformational. Uh, and to that end, you know, you would, you would uh, expect people who are from the latter category to actually exhibit many of the attributes and skills and competencies that, you know, might lead to a CIO role at some point. Um, but again, it, the, the challenge that, that's, that CIOs who aspire to be CIOs will have, have faced and will continue to face is a combination of opportunity and perception. Will they be given an opportunity to develop the attributes and skills required in order to become an effective CEO? And that's another question uh, one might ask is, you know, all CEOs are not created equally either, and uh, the skills and, and competencies of the role may never, in fact, map to uh, a CIO toolkit. Um, so that's one piece of it. The other, though, is perception. And I think that this is one that perhaps is even more difficult to overcome. This generation of CIOs, by and large, um, are scrutinized through an optic that they are that many of them were not viewed as broader business leaders they were viewed as skilled functional practitioners and boards and CEOs and others who are involved in the selection and succession of the CEO role um, for the most part have not come to the recognition let alone embrace the concept that a CIO no matter how capable in many cases in fact, is a logical uh, uh, a step up to the CEO. And that is something that, you know, may not happen in this generation. It may be another decade uh, before we actually see that perception change as the composition of boards change, and that reflects a different set of views and expectations of the CIO function. Um, so I think those are two things that, you know, CIOs will have to uh, uh, rationalize in order to achieve the next step. David, when we look at such transitions, that is, another person from executive management uh, getting the position of a CEO, we, in many cases, see CFOs and COOs getting that role. But they do not have the skills that you mentioned, which were seen in the reds and yellows when we spoke about gaps. How come? How come they get an automatic um, uplift in their career path, and CIOs have to demonstrate to everybody else, even though they may be peers. I think you said the, the optimal word, Sanjog, and that is uh, demonstrate their ability. If you look at a CFO and a chief operating officer, they have a significant amount of exposure to the CEO, to the marketplace, and to the board of directors who is truly responsible for selection of a CEO and in their succession plans. So with that exposure comes uh, a natural tendency. I sit on a public board and I will tell you that the folks that I see the most are um, you know, the CFO and the head of operations and, and uh, the head of sales, right? And I will tell you that immediately you, are, you can look at them and say, yeah, they would be potentially good as the CEO and you have to go and do a lot of due diligence. But the CIO doesn't have as much as exposure as, say, the CFO, which is in every board meeting and is in uh, practically every session that a CEO has. 
um, and they have a command of the numbers. The chief operating officer is typically responsible for all functions um, beyond finance uh, in most cases, and they get a lot of exposure as well. So that exposure gives the board and the CEO themselves a lot of comfort in their abilities. And so this is where CIOs need to continue to make themselves um, visible, relevant in the conversation, demonstrating their abilities, and also, to be honest, doing a bit of um, uh, messaging around their capabilities. I mean, you can be very quickly put in a pigeonhole by the board and the CEO if you don't take the opportunity to share your experience in other companies, your abilities, and there's a bit of that that occur, it needs to occur as well. Um, but I would say CFOs and chief operating officers have a leg up because they have so much more exposure to the, uh, the selection um, uh, executives uh, for CEO succession. Sean, when you look at the the people who you are trying to uh, work with, which is CFOs and, and COOs, and you are supposed to move from CIO to CEO, from their vantage point, what are the things that you should be demonstrating and be seen as worthy of or, or having the experience in so that you look like worthy of that role? Because otherwise you are competing or maybe you will create uh, that uh, not exactly disrespect, but you'll have tough time getting them on board with them working as your lieutenants. Certainly, certainly Sanjog. And I, I think that, you know, we can, there are innumerable lists, you know, certainly, you know, we've done a variety of surveys over the years, benchmarking and, and, and research studies, identifying what are those, you know, key and core competencies uh, for a, a CEO, and, and I think David did a great job of articulating a number of them. Um, the one piece that transcends everything, though, is leadership. And leadership has, you know, a variety of emoluments as well, uh, not the least of which is the ability to effectively uh, influence those around you, uh, peer-level, subordinates, even people who are ostensibly in positions of, of authority above you, say, directors. Um, so a CIO who is able to effectively build those partnerships and influence these other key stakeholders, be it a CFO, be it a COO, be it a general counsel, head of HR, we can go down the list in the, uh, in, in the C-suite, that is absolutely critical. Then to be able to substantively demonstrate the attributes that lead to the successful uh, uh, enterprise that's the other piece of the equation. So, you know, the, the revenue generation, the P&L, um, the ability to work cross-functionally, uh, the ability to, to, to create a strategic vision and execute against that goal, and the various other elements that may, you know, constitute the, the needs for the specific business, regulatory and otherwise. Um, but leadership is something that we always come back to in, in any role, but certainly in, in the CIO role and absolutely in the, uh, in the CEO role. And that's something that cannot be compromised if the organization is looking to be successful. And I would totally agree with Sean's comments about the leadership component and uh, uh, influence. Those are two key skills uh, to be successful because, to be honest, the board of directors is looking for that in a CEO, their ability to manage the board, lead the organization, and those are key skills that have to be uh, in your portfolio and your, in your abilities. How much time, David, and immunity that is available, especially to a person who has not been a CEO yet, so whether they are within their organization being promoted to that role or they're coming from outside, 
jumping into a CEO role to in, in another company. In either case, they don't have a track record. How does somebody get over that? Well, if you are given the opportunity, I think just like any new CEO, you have a window of opportunity to uh, lay out your plan, make the adjustments necessary to achieve that plan, and then execute and, and then deliver on what you've promised. I think uh, you would be treated just like any CEO, new CEO coming into a role uh, if you've been given that opportunity. I, I assume that's the question. Yes. Uh, so the thing is, you will be given an opportunity. And yes, you will be required to demonstrate, given that you've never had. So it, it's, it becomes a chicken and egg story in a way where CIO wants to demonstrate that the person can be CEO. And most of the organizations who would take that leap of faith would like to see some form of experience. And, and, and when they come in and they have to demonstrate to make everybody else be mobilized, including their executive management, Imagine one person trying to convince other people that I can do it, but they have never done it before. Yeah, I think one of the things, if you spend a lot of time on convincing, I think bottom line is you have to lead. Uh, you have to take the skills and take your um, you know, your mandate as a CEO to drive the company forward. And I think you really cannot spend a lot of time uh, and energy convincing people you have to lead them and show them and you have to prove it uh, and i think that is how you are, can be successful as a leader in, in general is deliver on what you say you're going to do lead your team down the right path you're going to find certain individuals will never buy in they will never buy into the fact that you might be the, the best candidate for that role but in the end they may not be a good fit for your company going forward and you may have to help them self-select out or select them out uh, to drive things forward uh, ultimately, it gets down to leadership and influence again, um, leading the team and then uh, influencing where necessary. But there's, you're still going to have folks out there who are not going to believe it. Uh, that happens with any new CEO. Um, and that's a, the challenge I think any new CEO takes on is uh, convincing the team that they're the right leader and they're going to win as a team. And so it gets back to leadership and influence. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we are back, uh, Sean, can we ensure or can we be uh uh you know can can we see the track record of a cio if that is great that means they demonstrated they were never cio before but they really took the challenge worked towards it and if they had that tenacity and their desire to learn and really beat the challenges to the punch can we expect the same action replay and the same success as a ceo please stay tuned listeners we'll be right back and explore HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. 
transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. If I was a great CIO, does that ensure I'm going to be a great CEO? Sean. Well, there's a, an old adage uh, in the private equity community uh, that, that says uh, something to the extent of uh, past success is typically the greatest indicator of future success. Now, you know, I don't think Abraham Lincoln would have become president uh, if he abided by that saying, uh, but the reality is it's, it's an important measurement. And one uh, is certainly in our experience, uh, it's something that we take into consideration. You know, has the person been able to successfully, sustainably uh, succeed in, in uh, delivering the results that their organization needs? And I think a CIO who has effectively executed on those various objectives um, certainly could be given some consideration um, in respect to becoming a successful CEO. That said, um, there are certain industries and, again, types of roles that tend to lend themselves more to allowing this individual to ascend to the CEO role uh, and, and, again, have an opportunity to, uh, to repeat their success. So, for example, an industry where technology is fundamental uh, for the provisioning of a service, for the creation of a service or a product, and the ultimate kind of monetization of that product or service with the customer, um, where a CIO or equivalent has had the opportunity to play a, a central role, if not the primary role in that experience, um, that individual would likely be given greater consideration to be a CEO based on their, their prior success. So if we look at uh, an industry such as you know, transaction processing, one that, you know, David, you probably have some affinity for, mm-hmm. uh, First Data. Um, their current leadership team, Frank Bizignano, who came from J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, Guy Shirello, who's currently their president, came from J.P. Morgan Chase, where he was the CIO. And there are other examples of this uh, in industry. Uh, there aren't that many, but there are. And again, the reason these individuals are selected for these roles is because of their proven track record of success in a industry where the role of technology and the contribution of technology was viewed as central and primary to the success of the enterprise. David, when we look at a CIO's executive presence, mm-hmm. what they need to have in order for them to be succeeding in, in their role as a CIO, how much of that executive presence has to morph or evolve or get better when they are CEOs? Well, first and foremost, to be successful as a CIO and having a seat at the table, you have to have an executive presence. You have to be engaged. You have to build relationships with your peers. You have to uh, have a command of uh, information and details as well as be able to be part of the strategic conversation. I think when you move into a CEO uh, role, driving that strategic conversation and and really relying and driving your 
uh, team to be responsible for uh, the day-to-day -day and the operational components, I think you're more successful if you, um, as a CEO, if you have a command of the strategic direction of the company and helping marshal the necessary resources towards that. I think your executive skills and presence will shift a bit away from the day-to-day -day operations and towards um, the strategic direction of the company and making sure folks are each one of your directs, each one of the functions is performing to their highest levels to meet the um, uh, needs of this, the, the overall strategy for the company. So you, you really do step out of that day-to-day -day operational um, function and move up to more driving the strategy and making sure everything is working. As CIOs, we spend a lot of time making sure each one of our pieces and parts of our organization are working at their highest level. So we have the experience of driving that efficiency in, in high-performing organization. You then have to kind of add another hat on that is, okay, the strategy is this. Let's make sure everything's working towards that uh, strategy. And so I do think you do have to pivot a bit towards the strategic uh, view uh, in, your, uh, in your seat as a CEO. Sean, when you look at CIOs who have been successful or otherwise many CIOs that you talk to, how many of those have active mentors who are coaching them or are they learning mostly on the job? Because based on some research, it looks like that for becoming a CEO, which is a new territory for a CIO, it is highly recommended or in fact almost mandated that somebody has a mentor who has lived or treaded that path earlier. Yeah, I mean, having a effective mentor in any professional capacity is one of the single biggest differentiators and success factors that an individual can have. Uh, in fact, in, in some cases, when we investigate uh, what, in fact, made an individual successful, uh, in a number of, of situations, you will discover that there was a key individual or individuals who took a vested interest in this person at some point and uh, really helped launch or accelerate the trajectory of, of their career. Uh, and that can be an informal relationship. It can be a formal one. Most CIOs have not had uh, formal mentoring, though. Uh, it's the exception. Uh, we are seeing an increase, uh, and it, it kind of falls into a broader category of executive coaching, um, certain organizations have formalized mentoring programs, uh, but, but many do not, certainly for their CIO. But there has been an awakening to the importance and the effect of this uh, experience. And to that end, we are seeing um, an increase in executive coaches and their presence in the C-suite, working with CIOs and other leaders for that matter, in order to develop them. But this goes back to my earlier comment that um, uh, when you asked the question around nature versus nurture, until recently there was not a lot of formalized nurture that was going on in the function. And many CIOs uh, were, in fact, you know, successful, that one might argue, in spite of the organization. Sanjay, I would I would add to the comments, and that is, this is a very critical topic right now. This the 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 idea that we need uh, mentors. In my career, I've had a uh, great opportunity to work for some amazing CEOs in the technology industry, um, and I have found that uh, one CEO has been an extremely valuable mentor to me in my life, um, both personally and professionally, and. Uh, uh, he has just uh, been a great mentor, and I nurture that relationship because I get so much value uh, in the dialogue on challenges, opportunities. 
it's very lonely when you're a C-level executive. There's very few people you can talk to truly open, and I think you have to find that mentor that you can have dialogue with, that can you can bounce ideas off of, and adds value to your overall growth. And uh, it's a really key um, uh, component to success, in my opinion. Yeah, in fact, I, w- I would even add to that. Um, you know, we are seeing formal mentoring programs being created by third parties in order to address this gap. Um, as I mentioned, you know, some of the academic programs that have come into being in order to, to, to uh, more formally develop CIOs uh, as part of at least one program I'm aware of at Columbia, they have, in fact, a uh, formal mentoring program where I believe there's 150 or 200 sitting CIOs who serve as mentors to the students in, in the program, which, again, you know, that wouldn't, that wouldn't, they would, there wouldn't be that need if these programs already existed in, in uh, corporate America. When we look at the mentors versus outside coaches, I have a real example of someone who really wants to be a CEO. In fact, he evangelizes. But then if you would ask that person to be vocal about it in front of their own executive management, the person would shy away because that might send a wrong signal. The person is not uh, interested in this current job or, or you know, whatever, whatever are the other reasons why the person would not open up. So is there an open environment or a conversation for somebody who's already reached at the top, that is executive management, that is a CIO, for them to further aspire, even though there is an existing CEO? So does it, what does it say about the culture that we are developing overall in organizations where a CIO who has the interest and the person is working towards it but doesn't want to openly talk about it, that stifles the growth or perhaps even prevents an opportunity for this person to become a greater CEO in the same company or some other company? So, David, what, what type of organization would allow that open conversation with their CEO exists, but CIO says, I want to become a CEO, I want to be your successor? I think this is a key component. We talked earlier about um, the risk, the, the profile of a CEO. You have to take some risk uh, to, uh, to be a successful CEO. If you aspire to be that, not talking about your desire to be a CEO is risk averse. You know, there's risks in talking about you wanting to take your boss's job. Um, they may take it wrong. And so a lot of folks shy away from that, and I think that is a key um, point. I, I have always been open about my desire for what I want in my career. I'm managing my career and, you know, have that dialogue with the CEO. And they, and if they should be very frank with you about their perception. Um, and maybe the conversation should be, hey, look, I'm interested in being developed in this area. Uh, I have a desire to take on more responsibility. Let me show you my abilities. And I can show that by delivering on what you've already given to me uh, and really showing results there. And so I think you do have to have that dialogue. Uh, and it can be risky and it's scary to have that because you may get a response that you may not, may not like to hear. But uh, you may have to take a risk and go to another company uh, to have that trajectory uh, in your career, and that's risk as well. So I think there's this um, uh, this component of risk you have to take on in having these conversations. And shying away from it does not show your ability to take risk. I, mean, Sanjay, I think David makes a great point there, and, and it's something that we discovered you know, a long time ago, which is, uh, by and large, your career doesn't happen to you anymore. Uh, it, it's something that is a proactive exercise. It's a contact sport. And if you're not actively involved in managing your career and ambitions and demonstrating the competencies that you need to get to the next level, um, other people are and they will likely surpass you. Totally agree. When we talk about a CIO uh, thinking, 
are contemplating going to this direction before they make an announcement, what would be the type of self-diagnostics or a readiness check one can perform? And, and based on that, they could determine whether they are ready to announce to the world that they should do it uh, so that when they are really approaching anyone, they are, they are kind of prepared. So let's explore that when we come back from the break. Please stay tuned. This is a question for you, David, when you come back. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Are you ready? Or do you have the aptitude to become a CEO? What type of self-diagnostics or readiness check a CIO should perform before they announce to the world and, and start pursuing this path of becoming a CEO? David. Well, one of the things that I do, and I, you know, I'm not going to profess and I have all the answers, I will tell you that, that I do a self-diagnostic on myself on things that I know I'm really strong at and it's been validated by third parties and by peers and my staff. And then there's areas of weaknesses where I know that I need to grow in certain skills and capabilities. And what I have found is you have to be uh, self-aware, self-reflective on those uh, strengths and weaknesses. And when you see a red area, uh, you do either have to manage it or take a step back and say, hey, am I ready for that next role? Or do I need some gr more growth in this area uh, so that I can be the strongest candidate for a succession um, uh, spot on the CEO's uh, succession? I have found that um, when I do see weaknesses, I, I actively manage my career to gain additional experiences. And one area that I've been uh, one of my weaknesses is in marketing, and I have found that I have, um, in my career, gone to the chief marketing officer, become a key ally with them, and, and done a lot of projects and learned from their skills, and then also bringing team members on board in my organization that are very strong in marketing and learn from them through that process. So over the years, I've turned that red to a very nice uh, yellow, uh, and I believe I'm on the path to green, and that is something that 
as a CIO with ambitions to be a CEO, you do have to do that self-diagnostic. And this is where a good a mentor, a coach, and even um, third-party evaluations of your capabilities uh, can be a really good tool to help you uh, guide yourself. But you have to manage your career. You have to manage your um, uh, skills and capabilities. And also uh, check yourself and make sure you're ready for the next step. And if you're not, uh, maybe you need to slow down your, your uh, ambitions and, and, and check yourself. When you look at a step-up candidate for a CIO, uh, Sean, you must be looking at that person or maybe coaching and mentoring them as part of your uh, process to make sure that they take the right steps and do a readiness check, et cetera. How much of that readiness check could readily apply when they're moving from CIO to CEO, or at least they're thinking of moving from CIO to CEO? Oh, it's, it's, um, it, it's, it's an exercise that reflects, again, a number of things that, that uh, uh, we just talked about. Um, but it is both, you know, it's, it's a very scientific and uh, rigorous exercise. And you have to be clinical in your approach. Uh, and the, it, it's equal parts you know, self-realization and reflection, uh, but also it's essential to seek outside counsel from someone who knows how to properly evaluate and map what are those competencies, where are the gaps? Where are the opportunities? Um, and, and part of it is also kind of understanding that, you know, this is, again, not a static exercise. Uh, some of these targets, some of these skills are, in fact, fluid. And if your time frame is to be a CIO in five years, it's important to recognize that as a CIO, as much as your role might change in five years, some of the attributes of the CEO might change as well. You know, right now we're going through a massive transformation as it relates to digital, and this again transcends all industry verticals. Um, it's putting, it has board level visibility, and it's putting a element of pressure on many legacy CEOs to adapt and involve their own toolkits. So, you know, in, in, you know they, they said, you know, Wayne Gretzky wasn't a great hockey player because uh, he, you know, followed the puck, is that he would go to where the puck was going to be. So as a CIO who has aspirations to be a CEO, particularly in a digital era, which, you know, I do not see as going away, um, the CIO needs to recognize, well, if my time frame is three years, five years, ten years, I need to understand where that puck is going to be for the CEO in that time frame, and I need to develop the skills and attributes and competencies to be there if I expect to get consideration. We spoke about introducing uh, or not introducing risk, but it is important that a person uh, is able to take some risks when it comes to approaching a company, at least the same company that they work with. Um, David, do you think there are creative ways of someone be able to do due diligence on companies which may they may, uh, as a CIO, will flourish as a CEO if they were to make a leap? Yeah, I think you have to. If you, if your own company that you're in, you don't see an opportunity there, and you're truly um, determined to become a CEO over time, seeking out the profile of the CEO in the company uh, that you maybe are interested in, understanding their uh, time cycle of how long you think they might be in that role, and if there's any executive management positions reporting to the CEO that could grow into that, and really positioning yourself yourself for that new opportunity. This is, a, this is a hard thing to do, finding the next opportunity that would really um, – I personally went through this effort uh, when I was seeking a new opportunity that could put me in a, a position in a company that needed a lot of technology help, that needed a transformation. I had that experience, was looking for that growth, and I saw an opportunity to 
add significant value and show my ability to execute transformation, deliver on a P&L. And this opportunity came uh, forward to me, and I immediately saw a link between my skills, the ability to move into, you know, potentially a chief operating officer role and then the CEO role. And I was very clear with the recruiter and with the management team and so on as going into that, that that was my desire. And so if you see a fit, but again, it took risk. You had to be open. Uh, you had to understand your own profile and um, make sure you positioned your own profile, strengths and weaknesses for that position. And so I've been able to do it, I, and I've, uh, I have peers and friends who have been able to do it as well. And so I do think that this is something we'll see more of. Sean, when you look at the emotional intelligence level, which is an important trait to have for any leader, do you think you have to up your game when you're aspiring to be a CEO compared to a CIO? I, I think that it's something that uh, is critical in any role, uh, quite honestly, you know, at almost any level of the organization. I do think that, you know, as we talk about um, influence and the role of emotional intelligence in uh, influencing others, and I think, you know, a, a critical element of that is empathy and uh, being able to recognize what are those touch points, what are the motivations, what are the ambitions, uh, what really, you know, causes those people around you to behave and act in certain ways. And as we, you know, honestly have moved into a leadership paradigm um, that has less to do with traditional top-down hierarchical management, you know, you have to do what I tell you to do because I'm your boss and I control your, you know, professional future and compensation to more of a collaborative model um, where the people's covenants and constructs with their job, with their uh, social and professional peers is changing dramatically. And I'm sure David is experiencing this today as you, you know, deal with a multi-generational, multicultural, multi-site workforce, uh, to be able to exercise you know, a very high degree of EQ as part of your leadership portfolio is essential. And I think it's essential for a, an effective CIO, uh, and I certainly think it's an absolute requirement uh, for an effective CEO. I would agree with that. To be an effective CIO today, your EQ has to be extremely high. And as a CEO, I think you would fail fairly quickly without a high EQ. Now, in terms of business knowledge, David, would you have to up your game compared to what you had to know as a CIO and now you are CEO? Oh, absolutely. You have to be uh, really on top of your game when it comes to the business, the market opportunity, uh, where you want to position the company, uh, the, the company's capabilities, and really being engaged in the full business uh, execution, but also in the strategy. And you have to move away from some of the, the things you've done in the past and move on to this uh, really being fully immersed in the business and, and, and driving that. Uh, that's, that's what CEOs do. We're finding more and more CIOs that are fully engaged in the business cycle and are, are, are also starting to take on business responsibilities. Uh, and this digital transformation, I think, is so amazing. It's happening right in front of us. CIOs are being asked to and being highly recruited to join boards of directors because boards are finding they have a big gap in that um, technology and business connections. And, uh, you know, we're going to see more and more CIOs taking on prominent functions uh, because of our skill. But that business connection is really key to your success going forward. One final uh, question and 30 seconds total for each of you. Uh, each of you. Um, if you had to provide three words to keep as top of mind, I'll start with you, Sean. 
for a CIO who wants to move to CEO, something new, something different that they have to do, what word would be, would those three words be? Eager, earnest, and execute, which is four words, but it's the three E's. All right. Uh, David? Uh, I, I think uh, first and foremost is integrity, uh, delivery, and uh, leadership. Thank you so much. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you both, uh, David and Sean, for sharing your thoughts on how the CIOs who have already reached the pinnacle of their career and they want to go to the next level as a CEO, what would the playbook would look like? Thank you so much again. And listeners, enjoyed. I, I hope you enjoyed the discussion, got a few nuggets out of it. Uh, please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and sign up on, for our newsletter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations.